everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Entree Pastors Podcast. This is a Saturday replay edition, and we have got a good one for you today. On these Saturday replays, we're just going back to some of our older content that we haven't uh, put up in front and center for a while, and this one is titled, A Word to Church Boards. And I won't say a lot on the front end to set this up because you'll basically hear me and Les setting this up when we did the original uh, recording, but this is essentially some things that we would like to say to church boards all across the country and around the world. So without any further ado, check this past episode out. There's some really good stuff in here. Gather around your deacons, your elders, and let us light the fire. Here we go. The title of this episode is A Word to Church Boards. You and I have a couple things we want to say to the boards of churches that in many cases kind of oversee pastors and are, you know, just the the governing board, if you will, of a church. So uh, let me me set the stage real quick as we get into this. You and I, we had the idea to create this content. I don't remember exactly when, but it was recently in a coaching conversation, and uh, we were talking with a pastor who's looking for a church right now. And I thought, man, what what a good idea it would be to create a piece of content that, in theory, a pastor could share in that setting with a potential board to say, hey, here's here's kind of my philosophy on some things. I agree with what these guys, kind of their philosophy, what they've laid out, and I'd love to have a conversation around it. And then I thought, well, we could just expand that and we could create something that any pastor could share, even with their current board. And so this is going to be fun because I've got some things I want to say to some church boards. You ready to do this, Les? I am ready, John. Could I make a comment as we start? Yeah, please do. As as you were saying that um, qualifier, or I guess a, a sort of a, a, a heads up. It's a warning. It would be. It's not. It's not. <laughs> well, it's not really a warning. It's it's more of a heads up. There you, you know, go. Because warning implies that it's something bad. This is not. This is not bad. This is just truth, right? Oh, that's good. And and also, I want to make sure that that people understand. We know that there are platforms out there that are just wanting to be provocative. You know, this is not one of them. But yeah. some of the things that we say are going to be perceived that way because it's going against the flow of what has been some conventional thinking. Not always healthy or biblical thinking, but at least you know conventional. We're not. I was thinking as you said that. It was almost like you were going, you know, we're picking a fight and, and the, um, the, you know, the pastorals when it gives qualifications for overseers is not to be pugnacious. I just thought that was a big, long word until I learned what it means. It means picking a fight. Don't be a brawler. So we're, we're not intentionally doing that. You know, if you, if, if people disagree with some of these things, it's a free country express yourself. Like we hear all kinds of pushback all the time. And John, I don't think that we've ever shut anybody down and say, you don't have the right to say that. No, you so, have, you have the right to be wrong. That's fine. So absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> but, but here's the thing that I'm, I'm, that I find about sometimes in our culture, John, people want to really be heard no matter what it is that they say, but a lot of times they don't want to also listen. That's good. And so we're just, we're, we'll listen. Like you're welcome to say anything. Look, we get, we get emails, we get direct messages and all that stuff. I'm not, we don't respond to all of them, but we do see them, you know, but I would say just, if you would just listen, be open-minded 
And at the end of the day, this is going to be a healthy conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And probably you're going to find this theme of like good cop, bad cop. I'll let you decide which of the two of us is the good one and which is the bad one. It may go back and forth. It may go back and forth. Yeah, I agree, Les. Our goal here is not to be like like confrontational for the sake of picking a fight or being provocative. But we do have some things that we need to say to some church boards that I think is well-timed and much needed in its truth, whether whether you like to hear it or not. So you and I both come from a long uh, ministry background. We have spent hours and hours and hours coaching hundreds of pastors all around the country. So we know some stories. We've heard some things. Like we know, I think it's fair to say you and I have a a pretty good pulse on what is happening in the church world. No doubt. Because we've seen it from both sides. Yep. You know, we we've sat in enough of these meetings and uh, not only not only from the side of the one that's being interviewed, I'll say interviewed, some would say maybe grilled a little bit, but we've seen both sides of that. I've had uh, personnel committees and search teams also have conversations with me saying, hey, what how do we go into this conversation? What are the questions that we should ask and how do we make sure that we're you know providing for uh, the the pastor, the minister, you know, and their families in an appropriate way. So I've been on, we've been on both sides of these and we've been a part of enough of these conversations that we, we kind of know the topics that come up and, and how they come up. So yeah. we've seen healthy situations and, and some that weren't as healthy as, as well. Yeah. And we're going to address, that's, that's a good place to insert this too. We're going to address in this conversation, two different profiles of boards, if you will, if I can simplify it down to two categories, one is going to be the, those boards and there are they are out there that have a good heart toward their pastor they love the lord they love the kingdom they're about the kingdom work and and they we're going to give them the benefit of the doubt that their intentions are good and they have goodwill toward their pastor so we we recognize there are many church boards that would fit that category and that profile to be blunt less there's another category we'll address in this conversation and that's toxic boards that have a long history of chewing up and spitting out their pastors, and we've got some things to say to them too. So if it points in this conversation, you hear the tone change, just know we're talking to that other group, probably not you, so just know they're not talking to me right now. But before we jump into this, Les, I think it'd be good for us to just introduce ourselves at kind of a high level to a board, a potential board member that's listening to this that doesn't really know much about us or entree pastors. I'll give a quick summary, and then you can fill in the blanks or add anything to it that you want. But here's what I would want them to know about entree pastors. First of all, this is two pastors, people that have grown up and been in and around pastoral ministry for many, many years that have created this platform. Our big idea is that we want to help pastors do better financially. We want them to be financially free, not by getting more money from their church necessarily, Instead, by having the freedom to go out into the marketplace as an entrepreneur and serve people beyond the four walls of the church in the marketplace in in such a way where there's no ceiling placed upon their earning potential. And uh, we're going to make a case for why we think that's a good thing for pastors to have a side hustle, to have a business that they're doing. But I want pastors, or I want church boards listening to this to know that you and I are pro church guys, Les. Like we are for the church, we're not down on the church. Um, we certainly see problems in the church, but we love the church and we love pastors. We have a heart for pastors and we want both pastors and the churches they lead to be healthy. What else would you add to that by way of introduction? 
Yeah, I'll say we look at this as, and and I would ask others to look at this as win-win. Yeah, you know, it's this is not we're not talking about typical conversations between a, a, an employer and an employee. Although I think it's healthy to have a win-win attitude toward that as well. There's there are scenarios where it's not we're not talking about one group of people. Uh, given up resources so that another person or another party could have more resources. We're talking about making some decisions that that bless the 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 servant of God, that bless the local congregation of believers, and that bless God's kingdom as it grows by people who don't know the Lord being introduced to him and, and becoming a part of God's family. So it's a win for everyone. And we, we see this landscape, John, you, when you mentioned what you did about us being local church guys, we both still serve the local church. Yep. I mean, we're, we're a part of a church family. We're not rogues. <laughs> well, right. maybe we are a little bit roguish, but, <laughs> but, you know, not, not in that sense. We, we, we are all in and have been that way for a long time. So what we're going to share really raises it kind of raises the ships you know it raises the level of the water and all and all ships rise yep i'm with you on that well let's jump into this there's so much we want to say but if we had a chance to sit down with every church board across the nation today less here's the first thing i think that i would want to communicate to them because it's possible they don't understand this if you've been in your small local church for a long time and your head's down there and you're not really paying attention to what's happening at a larger level, you might not be aware of what I'm getting ready to share with you. But I would want you to know that the traditional model that we have long accepted of the full-time pastor, that, you know, what we call full-time ministry. And if, you know, for those watching on YouTube, I'll put air quotes around it, right? Like when I say full-time ministry, that model is taking pastors out of the ministry faster than we are replacing them. I'll say it a different way. We are losing more pastors than we're gaining on a yearly basis because something is fundamentally broken about the current model that we call church. Now, Les, we're not going to solve all of this on this call, but I'm going to offer up two major issues that I see, and they're both related to this conversation. One is that I think many churches, this is going to be controversial. Many churches are structured in such a way that are not, it's not really biblical, not really healthy. We're not going to go deep down that road right now. We're not going to solve that problem, but I'll just suffice it to say in many churches, you have men, sometimes women that have been put on a board of overseers, elders, deacons, whatever title you give them. And they've never been called by God to lead a church. They've never preached a sermon in their dadgum life. They they don't know what it is to have the weight of a church on their shoulders, and yet we've bought into some political system that looks more like, you know, the United States Congress for how we should structure our churches, even though we don't see any of that in Scripture, voting and bylaws and Robert's Rules of Order and committees, and we've somehow we've adopted that into the local church, and I think it's killing pastors because it's created an environment for toxic boards to to have this thing where like when the pastor comes into the boardroom, it's almost like they're getting called into the principal's office. They're not the leader. you know, Gladys is the leader of the church or some other you know power broker family in the church that has a position on the board, and it's very political. We're not going to solve all of that, but that's one problem. I'm just going to boil it down to many churches are not structured for health and growth. The other one is that financially being a pastor is not easy. Like we have accepted what the narrative of what we've come to call the starving pastor that 
in order to serve God and be obedient to his calling upon my life, I that is synonymous with me being broke. And like churches have largely adopted that mindset, not in writing necessarily, but there's just some unspoken thing where like we have this very comfortable mindset around a pastor who's not doing very well financially. Well, you put those two things together, you've created an environment for many pastors that is not sustainable for the long haul. And it is why we are seeing thousands of pastors leaving the ministry every single year. And sadly, much of the time they leave feeling like failures, utterly defeated, discouraged. Their families are turned off in many cases, not only to the church and sometimes to Jesus himself because of how horrible of an experience they have had in that role. Those are, I mean, that's stats. That's truth. Like that is reality. More pastors are leaving and I want boards to just feel that for a moment and understand you might be the last stop on your pastor's pastoral career. They may be on their way out and you may be the last stop for them because they just can't take it anymore. So am I overstating that case too strongly? Feel free to, you know, be the good no, you're cop not. here. And, and what, what's happening is that there are fewer and fewer people that are entering into a professional ministry, at least full-time professional ministry. I know many people that are in a Christian higher education. And, um, you know, in, in my background, I'm a part of a, of a convention, you know, of churches, uh, cooperating convention of churches that have the largest six, you know, very large institutions, seminaries. And, and I'm in part the product of one of those. And my sons who are in ministry are the product of those. But I just as recently as last week, I talked to someone in leadership and the largest, um, higher education Christian organizations in the world, these seminaries are one of them in particular, and it's not, but it's not anymore. It used to be, but it's not anymore. And they are, they are really bleeding people for, for various reasons, but that's one is just a real challenge, even, you know, financially for somebody to, to make it, mm -hmm. you know, when, when that's their only source of income, that's just, those are facts. Churches aren't large, aren't as large, even as they were a couple of years ago, yep. you know? Um, and so now they're looking, they're, they're kind of, uh, looking at different models. They're, 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 you know, trying to be creative. And once more, it's something that I want to make sure that our listeners hear this. We're not pleading with, teams and boards and committees to find more money and pony up and pay the pastor more. We're talking about something else here. Okay. Yep. So that's, that's between the pastor and the, and the leadership of the church that, that might need to happen, but that's sure. not, that's, that's not what our, what our intention is. Yeah, exactly. I love that. This isn't us trying to get more money out of the church. I agree. In some cases, there are some churches that probably do need to look at their pastor's uh, salary compensation package and just like we can do better. But that's really not the message of Entree Pastors. We Because no. even then, Les, even then, the reality is there's going to be an immediate ceiling that is put on that pastor's earning potential, and it's probably not going to be nearly what it could be if they were out in the marketplace. And so in a little bit, we'll make a case for why we believe it's healthy, not only for the pastor, but for the church when that ceiling is removed. So again, we're not proposing that you make more room in the budget for your pastor's salary. We're, we're wanting you to grant... The, 
your pastor the freedom that we believe God has already granted them, right? Like, uh, and, and don't put these restrictions around them of what they can and cannot do beyond the four walls of your church, which leads to the next thing that I would love to say to, to many boards. I just believe that it's very likely, very likely that you have some high, unrealistic, I'll even add unbiblical expectations of your pastor. Like there's some things that you desire from your pastor and some might be even spoken or in writing and others are unspoken and unwritten, but they're expectations nonetheless. They are felt by your pastor and by your pastor's family. And like I say, they're not realistic. They're not biblical. It's not what scripture has called your pastor to, but it's what many boards have called their pastor to. Les, you and I, we were having a conversation recently with uh, someone in our community, and I won't name the church, I won't name anything that would give this away, because this is representative of so many churches out there. But this this pastor was mentioning finding uh, a church, you know, a post from a church that was looking for a search for a new pastor. And, and in their description, I'm just going to read a portion of it, I don't have the whole thing here in front of me, but they're looking for a full-time pastor. It goes on to say, our small congregation is only able to pay part-time salary, but is in need of a full-time pastor. We are a small church with 18 members. And then it goes on to list their qualifications that they're looking for in this pastor. And I mean, they're they're wanting higher education. They're wanting full-time work. And they're flat out saying the 18 of us are not in a position to pay a full-time salary. So Am, am I wrong in seeing that as completely unrealistic and the, the the stage is being set? If some pastor is silly enough to accept that assignment and walk into that, the stage is being set for some real abuse to happen there or really to mistreat your pastor, to, to have that expectation that they're going to give you full-time work for stated part-time pay with the expectation of a higher education, you know, a degree, seminary training and all this stuff. Like it, the the reality is this is not un this is not uncommon in the church space. Would you agree right. with that, Les? Yeah, and you ask about is it is it realistic? Not only is it not realistic, it's just unnecessary. Mm. We both know an individual who pastored a church in the Midwest and whose congregation was about that size, and because they didn't have an issue with him earning other streams of income, he. He farmed, he's in, he's in education. It, this is a high capacity individual. Mm. And he served that little community church for as long as God wanted him in that assignment. Yeah. And when he left that place, it had nothing to do with money or scarcity, or he just couldn't make it happen. He felt like God released him from that assignment. And so what you're doing is that as a, as a church board or church leadership, when you put somebody in a box as, such as that job description that you just read, Amor, that post you read a few moments ago, you're, auto, you're right away, you're taking off dozens of individuals probably that would make a wonderful pastor for that smaller church just because you've put those kinds of parameters or restrictions on that person. Yeah, 100% agree with that. And that's probably something that's not on our list of things to say, but I just want to make sure we get it in there that pastors are waking up to this. The, the reality of our 
our world, our culture is changing, and many more pastors are stepping, not just like begrudgingly stepping into bivocation, like, ah, oh, shucks, I have to go trade my hours for dollars to make enough extra income to supplement what my church isn't paying me, but they're stepping into this co-vocational life of ministry where I want to be in the marketplace. And I think you're going to struggle more and more. Churches are going to struggle to find that pastor that says, all I want to do is be a pastor and, and nothing more. I want to work 60 hours a week inside the church office and do some counseling and home visits in the evenings on top of that. Those those days are quickly coming to an end. And I say for good, like that that was not a healthy model and it needs to be over. Um, so yeah, you're going to struggle more and more to find that kind of a pastor. But I think that post just uh, signifies how unrealistic church boards can be sometimes and churches in, in general as a whole, what they expect, the unrealistic expectations of their pastor. Yeah. Let me, uh, this is a good place to add this thought. We're talking if, if, if board members or church leadership, personnel teams, uh, pastor search committees, uh, boards of elders, whatever the structure is, chances are you're over 50. Okay. So you're, you're in my stage of life. So I'm, I'm speaking to you as a peer. Uh, before I entered into full-time vocational ministry, I was in the marketplace. I was a, a grocery store manager. We were in a, anyway, I was in a chain of stores and kind of a, a kind of up and comer, you know, as a, as a younger guy before God called me into, into ministry, into full-time ministry. Let me, so I've always sort of been a, a company guy in many ways, John, I think it, very, very loyal, you know, um, realizing that there is some con some some uh consistency in that i wouldn't say security because anything can happen at any time but there is some consistency to that and predictability to that so i'm i'm familiar with that model i'm okay with that model and and all of that but here's the deal my my kids you if you're listening to this if you're 50 55 60 or older your kids feel this way, and a younger pastor is getting ready to see the world in the way that I'm getting ready to describe. They are not wired like us, if you're wired that way. they There, there are too many opportunities with online uh, opportunities as well, the world becoming much a, a smaller place with things such as Zooms and, and podcasts and platforms and travel, they're not, not as restricted as travel as maybe we were as we were young adults. I'm just letting you know that they see themselves as as the CEO of their own company. Okay, no. so we can debate whether that should be true or not. That is the way it is. And so you may not think that way or feel that way. I'm just letting you know that when you start talking to pastors who are younger, especially for them to be put into a box and told that they can't do something, it's just going to be. They're going to look at you like, as they say down here, John, like a, like a dog looking at a card trick. Yeah. I have They're no idea not what that get means, it. but I, I don't think that's a good thing, right? Yeah. It's like a calf <laughs> looking at a new gate. Okay. If you, if you get that oh, one, man. you're in farming country. So. Man, they just, they're not going to, they're not going to get it because they don't see the world that way. Yeah. I, I agree 100%, even though I don't follow your metaphors, I'm, I'm with you hundred okay. percent on that. Here's what I want to do less for the sake of time. Cause I want to make sure we get this in and you and I, we could keep going on this. Maybe we need to make yeah. a part two to this episode, but 
one of the things we do when we talk to pastors, I'm going to let the, the board in on a little secret here. This is I'm going to tell you what we tell your pastor of why we believe it's a good thing for a pastor to, to break away from that model of the full-time pastor. And again, using air quotes around full-time pastor. Again, nothing wrong with that. We're not, we're not contending that it's a immoral model or that it's like, you know, like you're doing something sinful in it. It's just, we think the times are changing and there's a better way. There's a healthier way. And so when you hear this, what we're telling pastors, I want you just to hear it through the filter of the church health and and your board. So there's five or six things we say, I think we've got five things here that we say as we kind of make a case for a pastor being out in the marketplace, why we think it's a good thing for for that to be. The first one is this, the model of a full-time pastor. So we're going back to this idea of maybe the problems of a full-time pastor, some of the unintended consequences. That model allows for church members to sit back and just assume that the pastor is the primary ministry provider. And that's a reality for many churches that have a, quote, full-time pastor. It, it allows the church people to sit back. The body of Christ sits back and go, no, we we hire a professional to do that work for us. And that is completely not what Scripture says is supposed to happen. In Ephesians 4, we see that God has given leaders to the church so that they can equip the saints for works of service. Like the work of the ministry is actually to be being carried out by the body of Christ, by the members of the church. And so I'm not saying that all churches get this wrong. I'm just saying it's a natural unintended consequence when when we have a full-time pastor. It's a lot easier for the church to sit back and go, well, pastor, that's why we hired you. But when the pastor is also out in the marketplace, like everyone else in the church, the pastor also has a business, it kind of forces that issue of, well, I can't do everything. It wasn't my job in the first place to do everything. And so we think that's a good thing. I don't know what you would say to that less or what you would add to that as far as what a board needs to hear in that. But you know, it gets people off the bench and in the game. That's a healthy thing mm-hmm. for the church. Yeah. And if that's exactly right, I would put it this way. If you want as a church, if you want to be sticky, find places for people to serve. If you want to have people leave the back door as fast or faster as they're coming in the front, then let them be spectators mm. and they'll, they'll just move on. Yep. Well said. Here's another reality of that full-time pastoral model. And we have already alluded to this, but I'm just going to say one more thing about it. This model encourages unrealistic and unbiblical expectations that a congregation places upon their full-time pastor. And so I'm going to say this gently, but I'm going to say it firmly uh, to the boards. Are you listening, guys? You leaning in out there, church boards? You don't own your pastor. You do not own 24 hours of their day, seven days of their week, 365 days of their year. They do not belong to you. They are not your property. And you don't get to speak into every waking hour of their day. And yet the reality is many churches kind of feel like they get to do that with their pastor. They kind of get to have some expectations of, hey, if I want you at my kid's ball game tonight, I want to see my pastor there. If I'm in the hospital, I expect to see my pastor there. I don't care what's happening in their life. You know, I I I have some expectations of what I want to see in my pastor. And again, I just want to gently say that you don't own your pastor. And when when your pastor can't be there for every waking minute of the day because they're also in the marketplace, I think that is a healthy boundary that is going to help your pastor stay healthy long-term in ministry. 
You want to burn them out? You want to see them become part of the statistics? Put those unbiblical expectations on them and see how many years they can stand up under that. They're not going to last. Um, so again, we we think it's a good thing when they have some of those boundaries that say, no, I, yes, I am your pastor and I love you and I'm here to serve you and I am available, not available 24 hours a day. I am allowed to have a life outside of this church. You know, so many of these things get a lot better if all we would do would be to remember the golden rule and treat others the way that we would like to be treated. And in that way, most people that I know want others to believe the best of them instead of assuming the worst. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we do the opposite, but I, I would say if you have a question about um, your, your pastor and maybe at some point in time, for whatever reason, he doesn't live up to an expectation. I would say really make an effort to believe the best instead of assume the worst. Yeah. And are there lazy pastors out there who need someone watching over their shoulder every minute of the day to ensure that they're actually doing their work? Probably, yes, there are lazy pastors. But is that the norm? Absolutely not. I would contend the norm is pastors that take deeply seriously the calling of God upon their life to shepherd the flock, and they love their people, and they probably work they're overworked. They work too much um, it, it, at times. And so, again, we encourage pastors, don't, you, you don't think of yourself as an hourly employee. You're not checking a time card for somebody. Like you're, you're, paying, you're getting paid to produce results, you know, and you're, you're feeding and leading the flock. And that's hard to sometimes, you know, show on a time card necessarily. But I can assure you this, Les, when I was in that role of being a lead pastor for 17 years and a church planter, not once— did anybody ever have to come alongside of me and go, John, are we getting 40 hours a week mm -hmm. out of you? Like, are you, are you like, oh. good luck keeping up with me, bro. Like I'll see you early in the morning. If you want to wake up with me and see what I'm doing, like come along with me for the day and watch me work. I'm not, you don't have to, you don't have to, you know, scrutinize my time card. I'm producing results and I have capacity to do that in multiple arenas, not just inside the church. Here's one of the main places in scripture in my opinion, John, that really speaks to this. And I would say to those church leaders out there, your pastor not only is well aware that this verse is in scripture, but many of them absolutely live by it. It would be great if, if everybody paid attention to it. So it, it says, have confidence in your leaders. This is to the church. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. And that's a given account to God do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden for that would be of no benefit to you. So we're talking about things that, yeah, they benefit that pastor of a local church or Christian ministry leader, but they also benefit the group that's being led because he can then do that with joy. So they take that role very, very seriously. They're not trying to take shortcuts. They're not trying to pull the wool over somebody's eyes because they know at the end of all of this, they're going to stand before the Lord and give an account yep. of how they led and served. Yep. And by the way, if you have one of those lazy pastors, then just let them go, right? Like you you hounding them and having these unrealistic expectations and wanting to see their time card every week, that's that's toxic anyway. So anyhow, I don't that's not the norm. That's a that's a very rare exception, I would contend. 
Um, here's another thing that we would that we tell pastors, and I want boards to hear this. They may not celebrate this, and if, by the way, if you don't celebrate what I'm getting ready to say next, it's you might be that toxic board we mentioned earlier. Okay, so here's one of the benefits we see of pastors having something out in the marketplace and having an additional stream of revenue. When a pastor's only income is from a church, it can cause them to be hesitant to preach boldly, to lead innovatively, and to confront problems in the church. Now, again, if you're in that position of a board, some of you might have just felt the warm and fuzzies right there going, I know, that's what we like about it. We like to hold that over our pastor because we can control them and tell them what to say and what not to say and threaten them with their job. And, and again, if that's your heart, congratulations, you're on the toxic board committee we just talked about. Um, my giving you the benefit of the doubt, if that's not your heart, if you have a good intention for the church and you want to be a healthy church, you want a pastor who is not you know, thinking twice about preaching God's word with boldness. You want a pastor who will lead innovatively, and that means change, and that's a swear word in many churches. Like, we're actually going to change what we've been doing. We're going to try something new. You know, we're going to try to be innovative in some ways to reach our community. Or a pastor that is willing to confront issues in the church that need to be confronted. But when their only stream of income is from that church, a natural consequence of that model is in many cases, those pastors hold back and think twice about some of that going, man, I don't know that I want to lose my paycheck. My family still needs to eat. And so we think it's a good thing when a pastor is not worried about the financial ramifications of taking on that leadership role in the church. What say you, Les? Well, I'm thinking about the person that's saying, oh man, listen, I've listened to a lot of preaching and I know a lot of pastors and that would never happen. Listen, Mm. we're not making this stuff up. Nope. This happened. People tell us this happens all the time. I mean, we've had this all the time. Hey man, if I, I had somebody just, I, uh, this is what somebody said to us recently. I said X. And after that, I had somebody approach me and say, if you ever say that again, you're gone. Yep. Yep. And again, so if you're a board member hearing this, and if you're shocked by that, just know this is normal, pretty normal church life stuff. It's why we believe Entree Pastors has a message we want to get out there to pastors, because I'm over that. Like, that is not healthy, and I don't want your pastor holding back when God has called them to preach and stand. If there's ever been a time for the church to rise up and for the church to be light in a dark world and to be the salt that is needed to preserve a decaying world, it is now. And we don't need a bunch of pastors that are tiptoeing around their board of elders or deacons because so-and-so has a family member that got offended and you know now they're threatening the pastor with their paycheck. No, I'm thrilled when that pastor has a, you know, couple six figure incomes coming in on the side from their business stuff and the church income is just icing on the cake right like that's I'm good with that and where the pastor's not worried about well don't make the deacons mad or I'm going to lose my job so we'll we'll hit this next one quickly that model of a pastor being the full-time professional where that's all they do it it all but guarantees a built-in ceiling to the pastor's earning potential we're not mad about that it's just the reality that there is just a limit to what a church, even if they have the funds, there is a limit to what a church will reasonably pay their pastor. I'm okay with that to some degree, but I also don't like the fact that so much of that comes from that mindset or that narrative of the starving pastor, that we don't really have a mental framework in our minds for a pastor that's thriving financially. We're not talking about flying around the world on private jets and you know 
living high on the hog off of the donations of other people. We get those snapshots, those caricatures that are out there in the world. That's not what we're, you know, prescribing here, Les. It's what yeah. we're saying is why is it that people struggle to think of their pastor who's not struggling financially? Why is that difficult for us to to think what it would be like for our pastor to be thriving financially, to live in a nice house, to drive newer vehicles, and not off of the, you know, again, donations of others, but because of the fruits of their labor and business, that's an uncomfortable thing for most churches. So even if they had the funds, there's just something built into this where most churches are going to say, pastor, we love you, but we just can't give you more than what the church down the street has given their pastor. We just can't do it. So we, we like man, breaking that, out of that. Well, yep. Well, well said. And here's the thing. Just don't muzzle the ox. That's all. Just don't muzzle the ox. John, if you ever call me an ox, I'll I'll come to South Dakota and put a chokehold on you. What if I say you smell like one? Is that the same as calling you? I'll come out there and take care of it. (laughs) Less threaten me. (laughs) I thought we were threatening the boards. Now you're threatening physical violence on me. (laughs) All right. The last thing we'd say to pastors around this, and we'll just share this with the boards as well, is that when a pastor is only being compensated for their role as a pastor. This is something that happens and it might there might be a season in your church that this feels good, but it's it's toxic and it's not healthy. Let me tell you about it. This model contributes to ministry becoming a one-dimensional, all-consuming identity for your pastor. And again, there's going to be a season of your church that it's awesome because you're going to feel like your pastor never leaves the church that all they ever talk about is the church. All they ever think about is the church. And you might even see a season of growth that comes from that or some good fruit that, or fruit, I'm not going to call it good. We'll just say there's some fruit that's going to come from that. But I can tell you what, that is not a healthy place for a pastor to be. We say it often to our community. You need to recognize your identity is so much greater than just being a pastor. You are a child of God. You're a husband. You're a wife. You're a father, a mother. You are. You have family. You know. You have hobbies. You have this thing called fun. A lot of pastors have forgotten what that is to have fun because they've gotten so far down that rabbit hole of all they ever think about, dream about, talk about is church. And uh, we think it's a good thing when they can take off that pastoral hat to some degree and be out in the in the business community as a business owner and wear some different hats. And again, they don't have to own a business to do that. They can go join a bowling league, but we just think bowling leagues don't pay as good as owning your own business does. So we're good with pastors doing better financially in regards to that. So here's the last thing I've got, Les, and then we'll wrap it up. I want to go backstage and say a few things to the pastors that are listening to this, but I'm just going to say this to the toxic board. Well, first I'll start with the healthy board, then the, then to the toxic board, and then you can take your free shot. Is that okay? Can we just take a free shot, Les, before we sign Go off? For it. Go for it. All right. To to the healthy board, what I want to tell you is this. I want to really challenge you. First of all, if you're still listening to this, congratulations. Way to go. Way to listen with an open mind. I want to challenge you to be willing to adapt to a new way that ministry is going to be done. The, the future of the church is in great hands. It belongs to Jesus. The best days of the church are still in front of us. But the way church is going to be done needs to change. It is changing and it needs to change. And the more that you can adapt and serve your pastor and support your pastor as they maybe have a different take on what ministry looks like, it is going to be for the better of the whole thing, your church, your pastor, everyone involved. So I want to just challenge you to be willing to do some things in a new and different way. To the toxic church board, I just got to tell you this. 
uh, and I, I pull no punches in saying this, I pray, and, and the day is coming regardless of my prayers, but I pray that the day soon comes that a church that has a long history of chewing up and spitting out pastors, abusing pastors, mistreating pastors, I pray the day comes very quickly that you are no longer able to find a pastor willing to come and be a part of that toxic situation. I pray the day comes that your church closes its doors and no longer is in a position to do harm to the people that God has called to lead his church. And it's coming anyway. Um, I just pray it comes sooner rather than later. And I know that sounds harsh, but I, on the, on the public side, I'm just telling you, I'm telling pastors all the time, don't go to those churches. There are so many better ways for you to fulfill God's calling to your life than to put up with that garbage. And so change, like repent of your sinful ways and change and stop chewing up and spitting out pastors because you're doing way more damage than you're doing good. So Les, I'll give you the last word. You can clean up my mess there. All right. Well, the only thing that I would say would be, just as I mentioned earlier, that those who are in pastoral ministry will stand before the Lord. We all will and give an account of how we served and how we were faithful to our assignment. But that's only one half. The other leaders are going to stand, but so if you're a if you're a leader, if you're one of the individuals, and again, I'll say with John, congratulations for staying this long and for listening with an open mind. So I would just encourage you to go ahead and lead, because you and those who sit in leadership and are making these decisions, especially as it relates to a a minister and his family, you'll give an account to the Lord as well. And at, at on that day, it's not going to matter that you saved a few bucks or that you were assertive in the decisions that you made. I understand the marketplace. We're in the marketplace too, and I have been, and I know that it can be very, very competitive and dog-eat-dog, but you know what? We serve a different master, and so I would say do what do what you can, but then give the freedom to a, to a pastor to take take the shackles off, take the muzzle off, and allow them to go out there and provide. Man, well said. You know, last one one other quick thing I thought of that we didn't say because we didn't put it on our notes, but we should have, and that is that uh, you you may be shocked by this, but there's actually unsafe people out in the marketplace. So again, we think it's a great ministry of your church to have your pastor out in that marketplace. There's a lot more unsafe. The best reason of all, yeah. There's yeah. there's way more unsafe people out there than are coming through the doors where you expect your pastor to be sitting in their office. 40 hours a week. They'll they'll rub shoulders with a lot more unsaved people and they'll have a much greater understanding toward the working families and volunteers in their church that have lives outside of, you know, the church. So that's you board members like your pastor will be a little bit more understanding of the realities of your world cuz they're going to be operating in it not just sitting in an ivory tower. So that's another thing we should have added to the list, but I guess we just did cuz I said it. Well, there you go. How about that, guys? If you missed that conversation the first time around, hopefully you found this one to be of value to you and to your board. And hopefully this gives you some things to think about, maybe some conversation starters to have. And I really genuinely look forward to hearing back from a pastor or multiple pastors who someday are going to tell us, man, I sat my guys down and I shared this with them. And it opened up the door for some really good conversation and some healthy change in the right direction within my family, within our church, within the way things are structured. Uh, That would be really cool to see how that could happen. And uh, I'll just throw this last thing out before we wrap it up for today. Listen, if we can be of any service to you in this arena, I 
genuinely mean this. I would be happy to meet with any church board across the country to sit down with them face to face, to get on a Zoom call with them, a phone call with them, and just be an outside resource, an outside set of ears, and someone to speak into a situation. So I just put ourselves out there and make Andre Pastors available in that regard. So reach out, let us know what we can do to be of service to you guys. Thank you for tuning in, and uh, we will be back Monday morning with more content. Have a great Sunday tomorrow, and we will see you guys soon. God bless. (laughs) 